Welcome to Church's Changing Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Estock, and today I have the pleasure to talk with Pastor Barry Sloan. He's one of the instigators of Inspire, a community building project, a social and cultural center, and a community of faith in Chemnitz, Germany, of all places. This is a ministry that brings hope and healing, and it's an initiative of the United Methodist Church. So welcome, Barry. Hi, Beth. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Now, probably just by that opening, people might have detected an accent from you, and it's not a German one. So tell me, how does an Irishman end up in Germany doing new ministry? Well, I'm actually what we call in the Irish Church a mission partner. I think you guys call them missionaries still. Uh, We call them mission partners. And I've been sent by the Methodist Church in Ireland to Germany to work as a mission partner. And I've been here together with my wife, both of us as mission partners, for 23 years. Wow. In the eastern part of Germany, in a city, population about 250,000, called Chemnitz. In GDR times, communist times, it was known as Karl Marxstadt. Interesting, interesting. So I've seen pictures of this incredible space that you call Inspire. It looks like a cool coffee shop. It, it, it's filled with people on any given night for like music, comedy acts, whiskey, beer tastings. Tell us about this ministry of gathering around tables and how it started. Well, way back nine years ago when it started, I had just been appointed to a role here within the United Methodist Church in Germany, the National Director of Evangelism, which meant I was leaving circuit ministry and working at a national level. And I didn't want to completely leave grassroots evangelism and mission and ministry. And so just at that time, I was in conversations with a couple of other friends from the city here about starting a new initiative to try and serve the Brühl neighbourhood, that's the part of town here in Chemnitz, which had been lying derelict since the fall of the wall in 1989. And so we started this project on the Brühl called Inspire. We spent probably about 18 months listening and praying and doing prayer walks, seeing what God would have us do. After about 18 months of meeting in our home, eight of us, Christians from different churches in the city, None of us with any kind of official commissioning from our churches, but just a heart for this neighborhood, got together and felt God was leading us to open these premises, to rent these premises on the Brule, and to start some kind of social, cultural, spiritual center there to bless the neighborhood. What were you, when you were doing those prayer walks and you spent that 18 months listening, what did you discover? Well, we discovered, well, first of all, we wanted to make sure that we didn't just try to transplant something that we felt was cool and trendy and churchy that we know onto the Brill. We knew that we were being influenced by the Fresh Expressions missional theology that we were reading at that time, about 10 years ago. So we knew that it was all about listening. Mm -hmm. And so basically we walked around the neighborhood and listened upwardly to God. God, show us here how we can serve, how we can bless, how we can be salt and light. But we also listened to our neighbours. We walked around talking to people we met on the street, talking to shop owners, business owners, people in the community. 
And then we ended up talking to the council and asking how a bunch of Christians here could somehow have an impact in the neighbourhood. And they opened up these premises for us at a very reasonable price, which enabled us to, to rent the rooms and then start this venture. And we had absolutely no idea what it would look like. We just had a couple of ideas. And our team was eight people. We all had our lives. We all had our jobs. We all had our other churches. But we made an agreement at the start that each one of us, we would give four hours per week to inspire. That would be one morning, one afternoon or one evening. And we would give a monthly donation and each person could decide what that monthly donation was. So that was the commitment of the core team, the start team, the the launch team, four hours a week and a monthly donation. So you have eight people giving four hours a week. There's 32 hours that we can bless the neighbourhood. And we started off with a bring and share brunch on a Sunday. We started off with a very, very poor um, uh, singer-songwriter evening, Music Monday, we call it. I'm, I'm just going to it tonight. It's it's developed since then. But it was a very amateurish, uh, basic, simple singer-songwriter evening. And we also started with a ministry to families and children. And that's how it started, just with those three activities. I'd done a little bit of fundraising. I'd got 3,000 euros together, which was enough to pay the rent for six months because we got such a good price with these uh, with the city council. We renovated the, the, the place ourselves. We upcycled. We went to the, the rubbish dump. I don't know what you call it in America, the, 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 the garbage uh, disposal place. We gathered pallets, old wood, old chairs. We up, upcycled, recycled furnished the whole place, used that as our team building, and then started with these very simple means and ways of of blessing the neighbourhood. And this is part of the the kind of fresh expression concept of listening first, then serving, and out of the service there will become a community, a gathering, with the potential to, to become eventually some kind of faith community. And that first year, what did you learn? And maybe how did you fail forward? Yeah. Well, the first thing I learned was I always thought I was, you know, pretty worldly wise. I always thought as a pastor, because I came to faith as a young man and sort of had experienced a little bit of the world outside of church, I thought I knew what, you know, what it's like out there in the world, in inverted commas. I thought I was pretty progressive and had some street cred. And then I came onto the brule and came into this other community, met people there that came and became part of our community. And I realized that I'd been living in a, a church bubble. I'd been living in a Christian bubble. And that was really a surprise to me. I thought, no, I, yeah, I get church, of course, but I also get it out there. I had no no idea, no clue. So that was a, a really big eye-opening for me at the start. It meant I had to learn a completely new way of doing mission and ministry. What I thought was kind of edgy and, you know, appropriate and, and contemporary, it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous <laughs> to, 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 to the people that in this part of the world that have never experienced church. And maybe I should just say this is in the former East Germany. So it's in, a, in, a, in an atheistic context here where like almost 80% of the population are convinced practicing atheists. And so I... I really got my eyes open there, leaving that church bubble and going out into the world, in inverted commas. We were pretty naive. We we thought that people would welcome us with open arms. 
we had put a lot of effort into making the rooms welcoming and we thought that that would be enough. But we hadn't reckoned with the opposition that we would get as a hangover, a lot of it, a hangover from the, the communist times when church was pretty much enemy of the state. And so one of the local culture magazines here in the city of Chemnitz wrote an editorial about us without interviewing us, without coming to us and, and getting to know us. I just discovered and was reading this. I get the magazine because I want to see what's on in Chemnitz. And there we were on the front page, the inside cover, the editorial Inspire wow. on the Brule. It looks beautiful, uh, very, you know, welcoming, lovely furniture. It's what's done up. But don't go in there. They're Christians and they just want to evangelize you and do mission with you and get you to join their club. And I was shocked. I mean, I was I was angry and shocked. But by that stage, we had gained enough respect. This is probably about three months after we had started. We'd gained enough respect and, and attraction on the Brule from the people that actually had taken the time to get to know us that they actually went to the editor of this cultural magazine and complained and said, look, you, you can't say that about, about these guys. This is different. And so it ended up being actually, they were our, our, our witnesses as far as our advocates, you know. Wow. So in that early on, and you said that you, you know, you thought that you knew and you didn't know, how did that shift how you engaged with this community, with the neighborhood, with you know, what unfolded? How did that, you know, new, fresh perspective do that? I, I, in my role as director of evangelism, I invited our church planters to inspire, to just check it out. And there were about 10 church planters of the United Methodist Church, or people who were in the process of, of wanting to plant a church. And they came and I, I arranged for them to have an open evening, like a three guests on the platform who were atheists, one of them a businessman, one of them a graffiti artist and, and some other local community activists there. And I let all these church planters ask questions and listen to, to, to them. And the thing that came out of that night for me, which was really another aha moment, was one of those three folks said to us, why do you Christians always talk about Christians and non-Christians? Why do you always have these labels? Why, why, why is it like an us and them? Uh, this is new to me. I, I've never heard, you know, this is what the guy was saying. And it just dawned on me. Yeah, this is so, so true. It shouldn't be about us and them. We <laughs> unintentionally exclude people by talking about church folks and non-church folks and put, putting people into categories and into putting labels on them. That led me to do a lot of thinking uh, you know, about around my theology of, you know, God's already there and, and we're all children of God, all made in the image of God. And and so from that point on, gradually, we, we learned to just start seeing the people as people created in the image of God. I don't need to do mission to them. I don't need to evangelize them in the old traditional sense of the word. Yes, of course, I w w would love them to get to know Jesus and to become disciples and, and find that joy in their life and also transform the world because they've become uh, disciples of Christ. But I don't want to see them as mission objects. And up until that point, I would probably subconsciously had still seen them as, a, as mission objects. We'll do all of this stuff, but in the back of our minds, we, you know, we still really want you to join our club and, and become a church member and, you know, dot, dot, dot. 
from that moment on, we just started, decided to, to serve the people. And whenever we have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel with words, we will do it, but we will do it with deeds first and foremost and take opportunities as they come and not try to have this alternative agenda of we're doing this, but there's a hook to it. You know, the hook is it's really all about us. So I suppose the point is stop making it about us. We, 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 we started to learn to stop making it about us. We do this on the Brule in Chemnitz because we're Christians. End of story. That's all we need. We do it because we're Christians. We love our neighbours because we're Christians. And the wonderful thing is that, you know, when we're prepared to die to ourselves and the seed falls into the ground and dies, then that's when the miracles can happen, where the, the fruits can come, the beauty can come, where God can move. But you've got to be prepared to stop making it about us. And we find that very, very difficult to do because of a number of reasons, even finances and all, at the end of the day, who's going to pay for it? Yeah, it's great to serve the neighbourhood, but who's going to pay for it? We have been in a fortunate position to to actually live that out because most of us are all volunteers working there. So this is huge, Barry, especially, you know, you your call was originally as a missioner and evangelist. And what a huge transformation, as you say, a dying to self. So as that, I call it almost like a amorphic field of bait and switch. <laughs> I mean, people yeah. people walk in and they can feel it, right? Yeah, they're, they're not stupid. They're not stupid. So when that fell away, truly began to fall away, what happened? Well, first of all, we started to have fun. <laughs> so oh, the team, the team yeah. just The team just relaxed, you know. And yeah. We, we didn't put pressure on ourselves. You know, we, all that pressure was gone. You know, I mean, maybe it wasn't so much pressure, but we were more relaxed. We were definitely more relaxed. And, you know, we, we, we were able to have other people on our team of no faith. Mm. So we, at the very start, we had said, you know, these eight people, they all have to sign up to, you know, being in the fold. They need to be committed Christians. We can't ever have anybody in our core leadership team there who's not, you know, on the same page with us. And then we realized, well, you know, if this old belong before believe, if we really want to put that into practice, then that should apply to leadership structures as well. And if God is already there and and he's in those people trying to change the neighborhood, then why not? Yeah. And, and so that gave us the freedom to, to actually have atheists in our leadership team, have a Hindu in our leadership team, Obviously, all all of them knowing that this is a United Methodist Church initiative uh, and that we have a Christian ethos, but it, it it just where the Lord is, there's liberty, and we find that liberty to yeah to live out the gospel in in liberating ways. If I can put it that way. And what an honor to have people of different faith backgrounds or none at all say, "I want to be a part of this thing," of which is beginning to unfold. I, I, I want to have, you know, a say in this. I want to be a part of this community. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's surprised. It surprised me. It surprised. It is totally surprising to see once you take away all the churchianity stuff, mm -hmm. so many people want to change the world. Yeah. And so many people are open to spirituality and even Christian spirituality, you know, but if you, if we can be 
brave enough and yeah, I don't know, self-sacrificing enough to, to to start sort of letting go of some of the requirements. And and me coming from Ireland, coming to Germany, I also started to discover what's cultural and what's biblical. You know, the way that there's a lot of stuff that we do is more cultural. It's to do with our American culture, our British culture, our Irish culture, German culture. But if we look at the way Jesus did his ministry and, and try to base our ministry around that, I, I find a lot of what we do in Inspire is kind of like, that first century Jesus type of ministry, table fellowship, incarnational, challenging authority, reaching every, reaching across every border and barrier in order to include people with love. And a lot of the times as churches or even church plants in the past, we indirectly and subconsciously exclude people. We kind of like act as like a doorman, a bouncer at the, at the nightclub saying who can get in and who can't get in. And, and, and inspire we discover that once you once you become that radical hospitable church inclusive church without selling out on on what you stand for uh, and what what your gospel values are people not only are more open to it but they actually want to get involved in 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 working for that and they might even we, we have one leader in our team and she would say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't think I will become a Christian, but I really love what you're doing here. And I want to be a part of it and changing this neighborhood. Yeah, I find that when folks in the church kind of point fingers at, well, that's not really church or that's not really what we should be doing as Christians and questioning the leader's faith, like, why isn't it that you're bringing up Jesus every other sentence? Or, you know, why don't you have communion every time you gather or whatever. I often find that it's with the leaders who have a real depth of their Christology, that then that depth actually helps one let go of all the trappings. And Mm -hmm. that is that first century, you know, how Jesus instructed his disciples to go out. He didn't say, bring bring your Sunday school material. He didn't say make a church. He said, eat what they eat and get to know them. And the only thing you have to do is say, guess what? We're experiencing miracle together as we gather in community. Yeah. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. And and that but that is so difficult for for us who have been in the traditional church, and I love church, no matter what shape or form it takes, as long as it's not, yeah, as long as it's not uh, exclusive and and uh, weird, but uh, weird in a bad way. It's so difficult for us to to think outside the box. There, it's so difficult for us to actually imagine church in the in the Jesus way. That sounds almost like crazy, even hearing myself saying that, but. Doing the kind of things that Jesus did, spending times with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors, you know, having a wine and a beer with locals, being in dens of ill repute, you know, being challenging religious authorities and all that kind of crazy sort of radical stuff. I I think that's so difficult for us to do it because we're so in our bubble. We're really in this Christian subculture. Mm-hmm. And that Christian subculture is a blessing to so many people. That's why I don't want to knock it. I know so many people get blessed, abundantly blessed in our traditional churches and praise God for those churches. But there are also so many other people outside of those churches 
who will never ever want to attend those churches but could do with some blessing as well from the church. And even if it's going out and serving and nothing comes into the United Methodist Church from it, no money, no membership, no nothing, we're doing Jesus stuff, you know, and, and, and we're doing we're doing we're doing mission. Well, so tell me about that Jesus stuff now, how from that beginning of maybe not so good of a singer-songwriter evening on Monday night and bringing on board folks that don't claim Christianity into your leadership. How how has that shifted to what you do now? Like, what, what what's the cool stuff happening now, Barry? Well, uh, it, it really does blow my mind. When we started Inspire, I was working full-time for the the Board of Evangelism, a Director of Evangelism, I had 10% of my role to be used for Inspire as kind of like a research and development project, keep my finger in the pie, so to speak. Now, since September 23, so like two months ago, I have been given a 50% appointment to Inspire. I've stepped out of the national role. I'm now down 50% working for Inspire. The other 50% they work for the British Methodist Church. And that has enabled me to, to to start to do some other stuff that I'd be more intentional about it. These are ideas that I've had for a while, but never really had the capacity to do it. But today we have things like, and this has not just all happened in the last two months, but over the years, the development, we have a really strong refugee ministry, a language cafe for refugees and international migrants from all around the world. We have Cafe Ukraine since the war in Ukraine started out. We asked ourselves, well, what's our role here? How can we serve this community? And as a good Irish man, I knew that Irish folks, when they go overseas, the first place they look for to find community and networking and jobs and housing is the Irish pub. And yes. so I thought the Ukrainians need an Irish pub in Chemnitz. But, you know, we'll not call it an Irish pub, we'll call it Cafe Ukraine, but it's basically just a safe space for Ukrainians to meet, to talk in Ukrainian, to laugh together, to cry together, to support each other. We don't provide any content, we just provide coffee and cakes and, and waffles and love. Mm. And so we've, that's an amazing ministry in the past 18 months where we've touched so many lives. We have improv comedy. We started uh, a few years ago by a pastor colleague of mine, actually from the US. She came and she's serving in the East German Conference here and she knew improv comedy stuff. So I says, come to Inspire, teach us that. It's going really well. We have since about two weeks ago, stand-up comedy. <laughs> and I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy or to have stand-up comedy in Inspire. And I got approached by this these couple of folks in Chemnitz that I knew and they said, look, we're looking for a location. And I says, yeah, we could do a joint venture thing. You know, I talked about the Inspire values. You know, we are run by a church and, you know, we need to be careful that it's not too, you know, we, we're, we're pretty edgy at the edges, but we're not too edgy. You're not probably not, <laughs> not your type of edgy, you know. Uh, oh, no problem, she says. No problem. All good, you know. And so uh, I'll just give you this little story here. It might be a little bit sensitive for some folks. So if you want to fast forward one minute, <laughs> there's a couple of, there's maybe some content here that you definitely wouldn't hear in a church on a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I talked, I didn't really emphasize these inspire values. And they says, no worries, no problem. We'll do that. We'll take care of that and, you know, respect that. 
And so they had these six comedians that came and the first comedian got up and he started talking about different sexual innuendos and different sort of anatomical parts of the body that you normally wouldn't hear in church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and I'm sitting there cringing and you know, actually quite frustrated and ang angry in a, in a way. They said they were going to, you know, but they'd invited these comedians. Well, they told these comedians that, uh, I, I, I don't know. And then the next comedian got up and she had been involved in the Jehovah's Witness. And so she started bashing God and bashing the Bible, you know, and at this stage... <laughs> At this stage, I'm just laughing into myself, thinking, God, you really, you really do have a sense of humor here, you know, putting me through this. And and I'm thinking, like, you know, I, I just hope the bishop doesn't hear about this, you know. <laughs> so it went on it went on like this. And and, and then I, I feel it was the spirit of the God, just the spirit of God just speaking to me and just saying, Barry, relax. Relax. Ooh. Look around you. We had 50, 50, five, 50 people there, all 20 somethings. Wow who had never been inspired before, never been in our wow. premises before. And they were all there for comedy. And and at the end of the evening, I, I took the mic and, and thanked everybody, thanked the comedians. They didn't know I was a pastor, all these new folks that had come along. And I, I was able to say to them, you know, I'd talked about the values of Inspire. <laughs> and then you guys start with all the sexual, sexual innuendo stuff. Um, <laughs> But then I was able to make a joke out of it and, and say to them, folks, the greatest expression of the gospel is joy. Yeah. And there's been so much joy here tonight. So thanks for coming and thanks for supporting us. Thanks for being a part of Inspire. I hope you got some inspiration tonight. And if you want to know a little bit more about my world, come to Soul Sunday on Sunday. It's a completely different world than tonight. And it went down well. The number of people that came to me afterwards and thanked me and and were really, you know, positive. I could have been very, I don't know, kind of angry and, you know, annoyed and, and uppity about it. But the fact that I rolled with it, even though mm -hmm. it was extremely uncomfortable for me, that's one of the other things of, of being a planter and, and being in mission out there. It's not just about being uncomfortable in the sense of, oh, you don't have your home comforts, but it's also like there's there's these situations but I invited them then to Soul Sunday and Soul Sunday is one of those other things that we've started. It's a kind of like a very different way of, of doing church in the broadest sense. We have three inputs and two of the inputs are, are from atheists, not always, but mostly. And the third input is from me and we pick a theme. The first input is I get somebody, I invite someone to come and tell a story about that theme or something that's happened to them about that theme, a storytelling thing. The second input is why this song? And I invite someone to come and choose a song. It's usually some secular song from the charts or, you know, and they talk about that song and what it has to do with the theme and why it's important to them and what their relationship to it is. And then the third input is from me, the Bible, and what the Bible says about this theme. And each of those inputs are about five or 10 minutes at the most with conversation in between. Starts with coffee and croissants and it's, We've been running it now since September, just the last couple of months. It started really well. We have 50%, more than 50% in attendance there are from a non-church background, atheist background. We only have 20 people attending, but in this part of the world, that is the attendance of probably 80% of the Methodist churches here in Germany. Wow. And probably those 20 people attending are a little bit younger than our average age worship attendance of people in our traditional churches. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're 
most of them will be, yeah, all of them will be under 50. Yeah. Mm. Most of them under 40. I love that format because it's, it's so in keeping with, you know, our post postmodern social media savvy, where is where can truth be found? And it, it's found in telling stories. It's found in the in the gaps between those stories. And instead of a preacher, you know, speaking truth from a pulpit, it's discovered together in community through story. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm, inspiring. Yeah, we make a point of saying, look, the last thing that we want Soul Sunday to be is some kind of apologetics event Mm -hmm. where each person's arguing their case for theism or atheism for Christianity or Islam or whatever. We want it just to be an an inspiring space, a, a space where we can journey together with our similarities, with our same faith or with different faiths or no faiths. And we also have we offer Holy Communion from the bar. So basically, it's not a set fixed, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. But if anybody wants to participate in Holy Communion, they can go to the bar and ask for Holy Communion. Just, you know, while others are getting a beer or a wine or a soft drink, we offer that. And, and we have a, a different way of doing Holy Communion that, that is respectful to Holy Communion. It's not just a gimmick. It's not just a you know, a, a thing, you know, to make fun of. It's a very serious thing, but it's an opportunity for folks to receive God's grace and receive God's blessing in in a very different area. And to me, it's very much like, you know, Golgotha on the, the rubbish dump of outside Jerusalem where Christ was crucified right there in the messiness of life, not in some sacred, sacral room, but there in the in the midst of the problems and the the, the dirt and, and messiness of everyday life, people can can experience God's grace. Okay, I really want to ask you this question about communion then, because I've had this image all along of why don't we have communion at any time? You know, folks are coming to a, a church for food or clothing or whatever. Like if there's a community gathering. Just like you said, can there be a place for there to be an opportunity for communion? So tell me a little bit about how you do that. How do you honor that sacrament in that way? Yeah, so we, at the bar, we have a a board behind the bar, a chalkboard with all the drinks listed, you know, um, wine, beer, soft drinks. And then we also have on offer holy communion just ask Mm. now in america most people would know what that means but in chemnitz here most people don't know what that means because they're not church folks and they have no idea what that is and so at the end of the bar at the wall and the wall is filled with all kinds of pictures and frames and so on we have a framed cross with scrabble letters made into the shape of a cross with the words love you in the shape of a cross, if you can Mm. imagine that. Mm. And I, if anyone asked about that, I would take them to the end of the bar where it's quieter. And I have a a little text that I've written out that they can read. And it basically comes down to, you know, asking them, even if they don't believe in God, but if they're seeking and searching for a God that even if he, if they don't know if he exists or not, but they would like to meet him and like to have his blessing and, and receive his grace. 
then let's celebrate Holy Communion together. And the liturgy I use is, is, is something very simple that I got from Jerry Hership's uh, mm, pastor in mm-hmm. the States in Denver back then uh, when, when I was able to share Holy Communion with him as he served the homeless in downtown Denver. And he would hand the, the, the bread and the wine and just use the words, this is to show how much God loves you. Mm. And so that's the words I do. When I explain a little bit about Holy Communion, I mean, who understands Holy Communion? It's a mystery. It's a sacrament. Yes. But but I, I, I try to make it as clear to them as possible that this is an opportunity for you to, you know, it's, it's, it's a mystery, but it's also a means of grace. God will impart grace and blessing to you through this, I believe. And then I say, this is to show how much God loves you. And, and, and it's surprising the number of atheists, agnostics, secular people that, that, are, that are looking for a blessing. You know, they're mm-hmm. looking for, for some kind of hope or help or, or personal blessing. And then I actually say, instead of, you know, saying some other high liturgical words, I would, I would say in German, symbol, which is like cheers. We would clink the glasses. Mm-hmm. I would take it and we would, it's over the bar. And I would say cheers uh, in German, symbol that basically means to your health, to your well-being, which is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And then instead of saying, go now to serve Christ, you know, in the normal liturgy, I would say, you've been blessed by this today. Go out into your life and into your neighborhood, into your family and be a blessing to them. So it's very, it's it's for my context. I can imagine yes. in the States, you could, you could probably have much some more churchy kind of liturgy and stuff but in my context this makes it palatable in all senses and then it would lead afterwards sometimes to discussions to questions to conversations thank you so much barry for sharing just a little bit of your story of inspire and how it unfolded and this new manifestation of soul sunday I think we're going to end for now because that's a lot. Barry, how would someone find you on social media? Yeah, you can find us at our website, which is inspire-chemnitz.de for Deutschland. Okay. Chemnitz, you spell Chemnitz, C-H-E-M-N-I-T-Z, inspire-chemnitz.de. Or you can also find us, Inspire Chemnitz on Facebook and on Instagram. Wonderful. Would you close us with a blessing for folks who, like you and those eight other people that started out all those years ago, wanting to do something, a blessing for them as they discern and listen to God's call on their lives? I'd be glad to do that. May God bless you. Granting you discomfort when confronted with easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live out of the depth of your heart. May God bless you with wrath when faced with injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people and the earth, so that you may involve yourselves in the struggle for justice, equality, and peace. May God bless you with tears, tears you shed for those who suffer, so that you may extend your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with the foolish belief 
that your actions make a real difference in the world, so that you may do things of which others say that they are impossible to be done. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Beth. God bless you. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.